0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. If you're listening to this, this is also a video episode you can find on Mark's Daily Apple, and I'll include the link to that in the show notes. Today we have Dr. Cheyenne Bryant. I met her at EverTalk TV, uh, being interviewed on the same day I was by Rob Mack and Jeslyn Moe, and I was watching her and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need her card. I have to interview her. She's amazing. Talk about a female empowered. Um, she is so many things, but she's a renowned life coach, the president of the NAACP Branch 1069, author of the award-winning Mental detox book, which we're going to talk about today, and her new book that's coming out soon. She's the founder of the Dr. Bryant Institute, the Dr. Bryant Foundation. She is a motivational speaker, a community activist, host, brand ambassador, award winner. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure. And I do remember the day we met, I thought the same thing about you because I believe they interviewed you right before me. And I was like, wow, this woman seems more like she should have her own show then be like a guest on a show. And then when you came out and talked to me, it was like, as I was like, did my discernment, read that or was she just that good? But I think I measured it out that you were just that good. Uh, so that, thanks. So. thanks too. So.
1: <laughs> well, I, I love the first one, before we get into the book and, and your expertise, you know, you have the psychology background. How did you get into the work that you're doing that led to the book?
0: And we'll lead in there. Absolutely. Um, so I was the, in the, I think I said the junior year of my doctorate degree um, or maybe senior it was like back in 2014. But um, anywho, right before, around that time, 2014, 2013, I had um, caught off an engagement, a six year engagement, and I had this alone time, which is where, you know, all the stuff happens, all the magical good stuff happens in the alone time. When you feel lonely uh, before it turns into solitude, Um, That loneliness is you looking at you and you looking at your broken pieces and you looking at your pain pockets. And so for the first time, I was looking directly into me going, holy moly, there's a lot of stuff that I need to work on. And there's a lot of stuff that that I need to be able to process and get in contact with if I am going to want to at some point just be a happy freaking little camper by myself, let alone with somebody else. And so I started to do some introspecting and some self um, work, and uh, I went and got with Yana Van Zant. Not sure if you're familiar with her, but she has uh, a Yana Fix My Life, her own show on, on the own network, and um, she had these Wonder Woman weekends. She had this this, this five day workshop out in Rhinebeck, New York, and now Rhinebeck, New York, is like the woods, not even the suburbs. It's like the woods with no street lights in New York. And I said, you know what? I am a city girl. I have traveled, but I've never traveled alone. And for the first time in my life, I put on my big girl panties and I took a flight by my little self to Rhinebeck, New York. And I stayed in this motel in the middle of nowhere. And mind you, I was scared of the dark growing up as a kid. So I'm in the dark city with no light in a motel room. And you know, motel's not a hotel, motel. And I'm going, Wow. And so I go to her workshop and from day one to day five, I literally cried from day one to day five until I left. I cried so much that when I got back on the plane and got home, I was like, oh, my God, I've never had a headache. So I had to recharge from emptying out for almost a whole week of just breathing and recharging and, and, and really nurturing myself. So that was the beginning of my, my intense healing journey. And so as I continue to do that and I started to meditate, I started to get in contact with myself, my pain pockets and who I am and what I need and what that looks like and where the trauma come from, where the abandonment come from. um, I got to a space of what I call God's peace. And when I got to this space of God's peace, I thought, oh, my goodness, if I can obtain this and I've learned to maintain it to this day, I got to give people this recipe. Like I have to teach people how to just my book is called Mental Detox, but it's really just detoxing their entire life um, of just the toxins. And I use the garden metaphor in my book because that's what I did. I, for the first time, actually took a walk and a stroll in my own garden versus people walking in my garden saying, whoa, you know, you got a problem with this or, you know, your attitude is bad or, you know, maybe you are maybe don't have compassion in, in this area or you got some issues. And me going, no, 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 look at your garden. And we're sitting there looking at each other's garden going, you know, Ellie, you got issues in your garden. You're going, but you got thorns on your roses. And I'm going, but look at your lilies. They're dead. I took a show in my own garden. And I said, I got some beautiful, 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 you know, lilies and roses. But I got some stuff that is funky in here. And more than that, I got some stuff that I haven't even paid attention to. So there's wheats and rodents that have taken over many places that I wasn't aware of because I was too busy looking at your garden or their garden, or my ex-fiance's garden, and telling them what they need to work on, and how they need to water, what they need to nurture, and what they need to plant.
1: Or, so blame, like, or blaming someone else's garden problems on your garden. Yes. <laughs> really, your garden over there is coming into my garden.
0: Coming in my eyes. It's, in, it's, in, it's encroachment. Get out of here. So I finally started to plow out my own garden. And um, I just found that the beauty in, in, there's, in, you know, the cure for the pains and the pain, like I always say. Um, and there is, all the beauty in the pain, once you go back and you take a look at it and you're able to plow out. And then I learn that I do control what I plant and I do control what I nurture. And I do control the company that I have in my garden. Now, those who are, are gonna celebrate what I plant are merely tolerate what I plant. And I can choose that, to have one or the other. Um, one empowers and, and one demises or destructs. And so I, I have the choice. And another thing I learned as I start to plant these really healthy seeds, I start to have neighbors that had healthy stuff, too. And I was going, oh, my God, they got healthy stuff over there. And I also say it could it could even be not that I start to have neighbors that had healthy stuff. I believe that as we get, begin to plant these really positive seeds, I say miracles is just a shift in perception. So these positive seeds shift our perception. So I like to say it as <clears throat> I had all these healthy gardens that were my neighbors, but see, we see in others who we are, not who they are. So while my garden was distraught and broken down and, <clears throat> you know, unhealthy and, and a lot of pain and trauma, guess what? That's what i seen in the gardens around me. So as I begin to heal and I begin to plant healthy seeds and, and get rid of dysfunction and trauma, all of a sudden the eclipse left me and I was able to see the beauty and the healthiness in other people's garden. And the relationships changed and relationships blossomed. And I was able to connect. I was able to have compassion and receive compassion. And I was able to see in others who I began to come into. And the beauty of that was too much for me to keep as a secret to, for myself. I said, I, everyone needs to know what this looks like. And I need to get them steps by steps on what that is and how I came into it and how you get it, but then how you keep it, because we can't just get a garden, plant these seeds and then run out and say, oh, the seeds are planted. We do have to water and it does take work and the work is daily. And it's not always, you know, work that we jump up and we just kumbaya want to do it. But when we see what it, what it breeds and we see what the harvest is, that is our alarm clock or that's my alarm clock. And that's excitement of me continuing to do it. And, you know, i come to a a really good place. Um, I don't believe I've arrived, meaning my final arrival. We arrive every day, all the time with newness and new relationships, and we learn new things, and we continue to evolve. And every day, I'm learning something new that I I thought I worked on, that I obviously didn't work hard enough on. And I'm going, damn, I got to look into that more. I thought I had... Yeah,
1: that was it. <laughs> well, I, I love something you said in there that I want to get to, which is hanging around with people that encourage versus tolerate, you know, hanging out with a tribe. But before we get to that, I would say I have had some pers- like self-improvement and self-investigation is not fun sometimes. It's not. It's not because you got to see, oof some of the sides of you, uh, I would ask, um, what are some main points of things that really came out for you? Like, for example, my biggest thing was vulnerability. And it was something that friends had pointed out over the years, like, "L, you need to be a little bit more vulnerable. And I would be like, ah, you know, just resistant, you know, and it was the one last freaking thing that I needed to do to unlock so many other things was just this piece over here with shame and vulnerability. Um, and I talked about that on that Ever Talk Live. You know, I have a hand disability, and I had shame about it, and I hit it, and I was embarrassed about it, but here I am, this, like, very, you know, successful alpha who's on top of it and whatever, and I don't want to appear as weak. And, you know, so I shuffled this under the rug, and, oh, man, that does not work. It backfires every time. I wish I had known what I knew then right you know what it could have should us what are some of those things when you were going through the garden and looking at your stuff that you were like oh this is a major theme this is a major theme what were some of those personal stories for you
0: you know I love that question because some of that stuff that I'm going to mention most of it still comes up to visit and I tell people that <laughs> to visit I like that <laughs> and my job is to have the awareness that it has arrived or that I'm triggered. And so my job at this point of doing all the work is to say, not today. You're not welcome. You can't choose from me anymore. Dysfunction, you're not allowed. And that is something that I have. I have a conversation with within myself. Some of that. And I say that because folks, really throw themselves away. They beat themselves up. And a lot of my clients, I'm in private practice as a, as a life coach. And a lot of my clients beat themselves up when they, when something comes back to visit, they feel like all the work I've done, I'm not doing anything. And I, 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 you know, I'm not getting anywhere. And how could I, you could, because you're human. You could, because you're triggered. You could, because that is a part of you that is not dead. It is just being doormat. And you have to understand that anything that's a part of you will always be a part of you. It may not come back for 10 years, but when it does, you have to be aware enough to say not today. And I remember you from 10 years ago. <laughs> you
1: know? Right. Well, what do you think about this? You know, cause sometimes it's the case where if you've got a theme in your life, like say you keep getting fired from jobs, you keep going for you know keep getting horrible, the same type of guy or whatever it is. And then you overcome it or you, you can't speak up. But then finally you speak up. I always tell people, I'm like, you, you might get another tester from the universe to make sure that you really, you really nailed that one because you will keep getting it until you tackle it. But even if you tackle it and overcome, it often happens that people like speaking up or trying to be confident and then they'll get another hit somewhere and they'll be like, man, I thought I'm like, nah, you're going to get a tester. And even people who sort of overcome it still might get a tester here and there. It's just like, I feel like it's a gift from the universe saying, hey, we just need to clean up more over here.
0: And in addition to that, it's a gift in the sense that I say, everything's like a muscle, right? So True. when you go to the gym, you have to do your own pushups to get your own muscles. And you can't go to the gym and run two miles one day and say, I've lost 10 pounds, look at me, and it's gonna stay off. No. So when the universe gives you things to allow you to exercise that muscle or a tool, then you jump for joy. Because for example, some of those things you asked me where I had just my tolerance level was so at zero. That there was no way for any relationship to survive with me, and the let me tell you how the how the universe enabled me because it would send me guys who would allow me to have no tolerance, and they would continue to attempt to to conform and to transform and to jump and do hoops and, and cut their arm off and come you know just go in a box out of a box to in, in their in both of our illusion to become all of what I want them to be, right? Which was me self projecting, me having an issue with whatever I had to work on really. Um, And so that was an enabler for me because it didn't allow me to see it so early on. Um, But the universe and God knows me. So it it knows how I'm like you alpha and how tough of a cookie I am. There's only certain ways that God can talk to me for me to hear him because I'm (laughs) a tough cookie and this head is as hard as it looks and I'm extreme alpha and if it doesn't make sense, I, I, it's hard for me to pick up. That's another thing that I had to work on is um, stretching my tolerance to tolerate what are what is just human nature. Some things are just going to happen. Some things are just a part of a relationship. Some things are just a part of going to get a new contract or a new speaking event. No, it's just a part of life. And so I had to expand my tolerance while implementing boundaries, okay? Because we know we can't tolerate everything, right? But we can't tolerate nothing because even you and I as girlfriends, if I tolerate nothing at all, I might as well give you a script and just tell you what to say. And that's not fair to you. It's also not
1: fun hanging out with people pleasers who are BSing
0: you and telling you what you wanna hear so you'll like them, right? Right, and that was one of me being very, very spoiled and very, very used to people pleasers um, down to like family members who 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 you know my mom, my dad, my grandparents, I'm the oldest of seven, so I'm, i I have a family that's very, very loving and very nurturing, and they're big spoilers, especially when it comes to me, and I had to go into the big world and realize that that may be reality for at home, but that's not reality for the big world. And there's a balance that I have, I have to be able to incorporate. And so some of those things were that vulnerability was a big one for me, um, you know, just mostly for me was to be straight blunt, to not be a Nazi, to not be a damn dictator, a dictatorship over everything that goes on. And, you know, not to be a control freak and have to control and run everything in order for me to feel secure and solid in the relationship, um, that stuff is just an illusion. And it's it, it it all it does is it it is fear at the end of the day it's fear of of being hurt or fear of not being able to control the the situation or the person. So in our in our distorted thinking or my distorted thinking, I thought if I can control and puppet it, then it does exactly what I want. And If it does exactly what I want, guess what? There's no discomfort. There's no disappointment. That's a lie. That's a total lie. Because in all of my controlling, have I been disappointed? Absolutely. I have I've been hurting all of my controlling, excuse my language, hell yes. And so it, it, it almost didn't wouldn't make a difference, right? It, w- it makes more of, of sense, like for now, for me to dive in fully love, fully be vulnerable, like you mentioned earlier on, fully accept the love and fully accept the vulnerability so that God forbid that the experience ends, we both got the best and the full potential of that experience, Um, because the other way it just doesn't work either way. It's a risk. I tell people either way it's a risk. You might as well jump in with a whole heart, a pure heart and, and really, really allow yourself to authentically just love and be loved and be in that bliss. Um, and always come from a place of love. And so those were things for me that were, that were really big. I had to deal with a lot of abandonment issues, um, that were at the core of all of what I like controlling and the, the, you know, the insecurities and the fear and, And I need everything to be so, any certainty. I need to know exactly what's going on and when it's going to go on for me to feel secure and safe. That's not realistic. That is not realistic in life. And I have to understand that if I continue on that path, no one's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to drive myself crazy with the need to have that type of security or control because it doesn't work like that. Um, And so those are things for me that I had to really process. And then now they, you know, they're doormat in many ways, but there are times where, you know, if I fall in love in a relationship or if I get too close to someone and and it it mostly happens in romantic relationships for me, not so much friendships and all that, um, where those things can inflame and the person's going, hold on, I'm here. We're going to work it out. You're okay. And I'm going, that's just what I need. But then I have to tell myself, you get men who say that you always have the good men. Now it's your responsibility to be the good woman, to respect that and take it for granted in the most possible loving, good way, not in a way where you use that as fuel for your fear, right? To make it to where they always constantly have to reassure, always constantly have to be in that place of like, you're going to be okay. Like they're babysitting, that's draining. And And it's just, it doesn't breed for a healthy relationship. And so those things inflame, but it's a dialogue I have to have and say, listen, I'm feeling it's that vulnerability you talked about. Look, I'm feeling really funky right now and I am in my fear pocket. So we got to talk it out. I need some reassurance. And that's just the mature, healthy me really negating my dysfunction saying, listen, I'm going to talk it out with this person. I'm not going to allow you to sabotage it or screw it up. And then that's what that's that's the place I've had to come into.
1: You know, it's so fascinating. What you're expressing right now is classic, um, alpha woman pitfalls. My best friend Tanya Dyer is like an alpha coach and she describes the life cycle. It's usually like abandonment. <laughs> then it's struggle. Then it's control. And then you finally surrender. And a lot of alpha females will then in their uncoached alphaness choose a beta male or someone that they can quote control or seemingly, right? Who's going to be there and be like, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want so that we don't have to worry about, a, you know, this stuff. But at the end of the day, that gets really old for alphas because we want them to be like, Hey man, stand up and be alpha, <laughs> be an alpha dude. But they, but they can't because, you know, that's not in their nature. And yeah, uh, there's a core abandonment wound at the most of us and we're al- often, uh, we're overgivers, right? We often like choose projects to fix up and help people. And part of that's like, Ooh, here, I'll help you. And subconsciously, uh, you know, I'll help you. And then you won't leave me because I've helped you. So, you know what I'm saying? And also we're very inaccessible. This comes down to the vulnerability too. Uh, when we're uncoached or we're not vulnerable and we don't learn this, We can't get close with people, and particularly in romantic relationships, we're the ones that'll be like, I'm going to wait for him to say it before I, like, we do not want, like, it's scary, and it's still, again, I think for all alphas, it's the romantic relationship stuff that is when it really can get triggered and come up, but this is, like, really classic stuff. Tell us a little bit about some of your experiences, um, success stories, either your own friends, family, or clients. And I want to go through a few areas. Like, so let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about some 180s that you've seen happen. Like, what was the crux of the issue? And then what was the turnaround, at least in the relationship category?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so. Well, this is a really funky story. It's it's relation it's relational, but it's very different and it's unique because I have. I, she's still my client, but I had a client who came to me maybe two years ago, and um, she was just you know in tears and she is just emotionally broken down. Um, and she's uh, she's dating I I don't know she's dating a married guy. I, now, I, now I don't know how you can date a married guy. I mean, in the sense of dating, but you get the gist of it. She's her, the married guy is someone she's dating. This is her boyfriend um, and she wants me to help her get out of it. And what I told her was, I will not help you leave him uh, because if I help you leave him, you'll be paying me in six months to help you leave the next married guy. And then in two years, I'll be helping you leave the next married guy. And so that's what I'm not gonna do. But what I will do is I will help you work on the parts of you that find attraction that has became a magnet to and for married men and the parts of you that actually would choose a man who is married. And once we work on those parts, your appetite will shift. You won't even have to worry about
1: leaving him. Right. Because yeah. that unavailability will be so unattractive
0: at Come that on. point. Yeah. At that point. Um, and then once we raise you know your own self-love and your own self-worth and you understand the position that you want to be in play as a woman and you get to the point of understanding that that by all means is necessary and not on your watch will you have it any other way and you bring your standards with you everywhere you go when you wake up in the shower when you're by yourself you won't have the desire or appetite for that so long story short you know she just didn't understand that but we kept doing the work and about a year later uh maybe six months into it she says she texted me, says, Dr. Bryant, I'm at a restaurant and I see a guy who fits the type of guy I would like today. Now, this is a woman who couldn't even get her mind off of the married guy. When I would tell her, look, you know, you're going to find someone else. That's just like she would cry at the thought of finding someone else. She would cry at the thought of even her getting a phone number from a guy because that meant to her a detachment from this guy. Yeah. So six months later, she says there's a guy sitting across me, and I think he's like the ideal guy. He looks like this, and blah blah blah. And he has no ring on his finger. And I'm going, look at how things are shifting. A year later, um, she completely severs everything with the married guy. <clears throat> Talking about the universe testing somebody. I think a month after she did that, she's out and about, and um, she gets approached by married guy, of course, and he's approaching her. And when I tell you this guy, I mean, she sent a picture, he's attractive. He's tall. He's all those things. And we had our session. She goes and didn't realize she said that she says, I was disgusted at the fact that he would even think that I would allow him to have my number being that he's married. I said, Oh, were you disgusted? She said, I was disgusted. I said, really? I said, let's go back a year. And when I said, let's go back a year, She just started busting up laughing because she already knew where I was going. She goes, I know, I know, I know. So for me, that was one of my big success stories because it wasn't about her leading. See, we think that we need to run from these things, right, that we don't like. What we need to do is stay and stick it through so that it can take the form it's meant to take for us to see what we need to see for us to change up the things in us so that we don't continue that dysfunctional pattern. See, detaching from the pattern doesn't negate or destroy the pattern. The pattern stays because all we're doing is detaching and attaching and detaching. It becomes a pattern, a cycle. But if we sit in it and we say, hold on, this is what I'm not okay with. So let me figure out while I'm in the what I'm not okay with, what I'm not okay with. That's the only way we can see What we don't like is by being in what we don't like. If I run from what I don't like or what's dysfunctional, then I'm distracting from it. So at some point, like the cure for the pain is in the pain. The cure for the dysfunction or for the unknown is in the unknown. So we run at the the fear of this is not healthy. But you got to be in that if you're already in that to figure out what the heck is unhealthy. So be in it, but in a a place of calmness, not in a place of an emotional uproar. Because once we get into an emotional uproar, all of our channels are shut up. Nothing can come in, nothing can come out. So we have to be in there as an observer, not even as a participant. Mm-hmm. And how we still know that I'm God is it's 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 just it's uncomfortable for you? Good, sit in it. I had a client call me yesterday, and she's she's out in Palm Springs, and she's out there with a group of girlfriends, and one of the girls happens to be her best friend, and she said, Dr. Bryant, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been crying and crying and crying for the past two days, and I'm out here, and I'm out here with my best friend, and she has some of her her." Uh, Good friends from like elementary who have been friends with her longer than I have. Now, mind you, these are adult. She's an adult woman who's calling me with this. When you hear the story, it may sound real kitty, and it is. But these are real situations that people go through, and you know they they can share it with me, the coach, because like, there's no judgment. But she says, and I don't know why, I just been crying. So I told her, I said, well, um, well, why don't you just go back? I said, what's for She said, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't know if it's my body because all these women are beautiful and they have bikinis on. They're taking photos. I don't feel comfortable. And I said, well, this is what you have to do. You have to go back in the discomfort. She goes, I do. I said, you have to go back in the discomfort because if you're calling me to say you're uncomfortable and you don't know why, the answer is in the discomfort. Go sit in there until you figure out what it is. She goes, you want me just to sit there? I said, sit there. You don't have to participate. I said, don't be rude, but just sit there and just sit. And until something comes up, and when that comes up, text me or call me. She did it for about 45 and She called and she says, you know what? I figured it out. She goes, and this sounds so freaking childish. She goes, but I'm jealous. I said, of what? She said, of my girlfriend, because this is my best best friend, and we've only been best friends for five years, and she has friends here from elementary, from junior high school that she's been friends with for longer, and she has to spread her attention amongst all of us, and I'm so used to one-on-ones with her. I said, oh, is that what you got from the discomfort? She goes, Yeah. I said, okay, so I suggest you go back in there since you figured it out and understand that she has six other girlfriends there and that everyone has to get attention and you make the best out of this weekend. She goes, you know what? I will. I went to her Instagram page and she posted a picture of her in a bikini and she'd obviously have it because it was about two hours ago. She's obviously having a blast and she has this bikini and the friend she talked about left a comment saying you look gorgeous. So that's something small. I wanted to use something big like the marriage man thing, but something small, because everyone's impairments or daily stresses are not, you know, uh, life or death. Sometimes it's the small stuff that freaking just nags at us and creates anxiety in us. I mean, at a point where it's catastrophized more than some of the big stuff. And it's little things like that, where we get this little discomfort. And if we would just give ourselves a little more time and a chance to sit in that at which we are uncomfortable with answers come from that. But if you run from it, you're stuck. Yeah, you know, it's interesting
1: because in that scenario, it could have been so many things that she came back to you with. It could have been like, actually, I realize I have a body image issue, (laughs) you know, could have been like true jealousy on that or like an issue. It could have been one of these girls is triggering me and reminding me of a bee that I used to know who bullied me in school. It could have been anything like I was waiting to see what it was. And that was interesting. She was like, okay, that's what it is. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not being paid a focused attention to. But again, these are the little things we go through this. And that's the the key. When you're uncomfortable, you're having a negative emotion. You got to go, why am I feeling that? Like what just happened? I just got out of a conversation. What's there? You can't just blow it off and you can't just go off and be steamed about it all day bitching to people. Like you said, you've got to get into that discomfort. That's one of the best pieces of advice you can give. What about some thoughts in the arena of... Or tell us some of the ones that maybe are really stand out to you or exciting for you, but I was thinking like with career or money, you know, because we all have all these interesting beliefs about this, family stories, repeating patterns we once learned. What are some other, you know, stories or, or 180s within the arena of either like money or career?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, that's some good stuff um, from, 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 I mean, well, clients, Clients or friends or
1: people you knew who did a turnaround somewhere that was exciting to you? Yeah, totally.
0: Um, well, I mean, this story is really exciting because of this guy. Uh, we this is uh, so I have a Dr. Bryan Institute, which is life coaching, and then we have Dr. Brian Foundation um, that serves the the underprivileged and serves the community and does a lot of work uh, with that and a lot of uh, prison reform. And so we have a guy who whew, uh, he did thirty five years in prison. And I know, right? And uh, he did it for a conspiracy because he wouldn't tell on his brother uh, some things that happened. Um, and uh, long story short, we he he had 35 years and, and, and didn't have a chance to go up to the parole board. The parole board is where they can go and say, "Hey, I've done good. Can you please let me out? Can you please get rid of my life term?" And they wouldn't even allow that. So we we put up a package, the Dr. Bright Foundation. We fought really hard for him. And um, he got accepted the parole board. That's just the first phase. The second phase is we wrote the parole board and we said, we're gonna fight for this guy. And he just was like, oh my God, you know, I've been fighting, trying to do this for 20 years. I've been in 35 since I've been a young boy. Now I'm a, you know, I'm 50 a grown man. And long story short, they gave him a release date. And uh, this guy got released and um, got out. And of course it was emotional for him and all that good stuff. And he came to me and he said, you know, I know that I have this background. I know that I am probably institutionalized. I probably have a whole lot of inferiority complexes. I am a black man, you know, out in America who've done 35 years. I have this thing on my record. Um, I just want to know if you would give me a chance to work by you, work work beside you, work by you um, and really rock and roll. And so I, you know, of course, I said, let me pray on it. Let me give it some time. I want to. I just don't know where to position you. Of course it's a yes, duh. And I prayed on and slept on it. And you know, God said, uh, make him the president. I'm like a president of what? This guy doesn't even know how to run a nonprofit or a board or anything. And it just kept coming to me, to me, make him the president. I'm like, of whose foundation? And so I made him the president of our other nonprofit, which was at that time bigger than the Dr. Brown Foundation. That was our main nonprofit and made him the president. And when I tell you This guy was able to do things accedently and abundantly, like the Bible says, such as um, get a whole brand new skate park for the inner city kids um, in a city where the city councilman, who was not an African American, for years wouldn't even put any type of funding, I mean, down to like a dollar, into the city. This guy fought so hard. Um, and made that happen. He was able to put together huge community um, outreach um, events in the community. He was able to put together huge town halls that we started to have every month in that inner city. In addition to that, he um, he also put together a, a, a really huge gang task force that was in that city. So he was able to change the whole trajectory of, uh, of a city, of of, of of a neighborhood, and bring community back into to neighborhoods. And to see him do that um, in the forefront and, and, and after doing all that time and having his freedom taken from him, it, for me, it was just Mike, It was just priceless. You know, my whole heart was like smiling for him. And I end up letting him have that nonprofit. And that's how I ended up starting the Dr. Bryant Foundation, because I said, you know, you earned it and it's yours so awesome. And so we still partner up on things because that's my guy we actually just partnered up on the unity march where um, the NAACP partnered up for the first time in the civil rights organization history we partnered up with uh, the Harbor LAPD we had the chief of LAPD march by side by us we had our congress our senator our assemblyman our councilman we had all the elected officials come out the whole city came out so we partnered up with uh, the guy that I'm talking about and uh in this Unity March. And so things like that, where I'm able to platform people and
1: really empowered him. And, and I must have just been such a filling his heart to be able to help other people, you know, exactly. and, and that you gave him such a step up into that versus. You know, listen, you've been in prison for thirty five years. Yeah, you may only be able to get a job as a checkout person somewhere or really exactly. low level work yourself up. You gave him such a great opportunity. That's another thing too to be said for the feeling you had. You had a gut feeling and you're like, I I believe in this person. This is a good person. I don't I don't care what and that overrode a resume. And yeah, that's important too sometimes. And people out there who employers need to know that. Sometimes the Harvard degrees aren't gonna get you what you want. And you've got to give people a leg up. So that's amazing that you did that for him. What a wonderful story.
0: And you got to trust your gut. I, I, you know, I believe in uh, like the Bible says it's better to be obedient than sacrifice. And as a part of my surrendering is surrendering to that obedience of God's will. And that comes through my discernment or it comes through interaction with folks like yourself who are enlightened as well. Uh, there's things that you can say to that you don't even know you're being used as a vessel by God that I may have prayed on last night that I go, oh, my gosh, she's so on point. That's what it is. There's an answer just through our conversation. And so when something comes up in me, even if I go, what? I'm obedient to it. And every single time that I've been obedient to that at which comes up through spirit. Oh, my. I mean, I have never, ever regretted it. And it has manifested into multiple forms of harvest that I, that blows my mind that I could only imagine. And so you got to just, I say, you know, I always tell people, you know, trust yourself. I mean, mean, listen, if you're going to trust anybody, trust you. You Well, and it's easier to do
1: once you've gone through the mental detox and the steps in your book to clean out the stuff, to kind of get to a baseline of proper assessing, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Let's talk a little bit about this mental detox and what you had said earlier, which I wanted to get to was, Oh man, this is such a big thing for me. We got to stop hanging out with people that aren't encouraging us or we have to stop sharing our awesome goals and our exciting things with these people. Like your sister Mary always is a damn downer about every idea you have. Stop talking to Mary. Mary's not going to change. Mary's, the, you're the insane person. Mary is the person that is a downer on every single one of your ideas. She's not going to change. Stop putting yourself up against that. you want a brick wall or a speed bump? You go call the friend that's going to be like, yeah, that's awesome. You kick it, right? Because, yeah. And we, we hope for this, right? We want the family member to be as excited for us. Some people just aren't excited until they see something tangible. Some people just aren't excited anyway. So if you're going to want some kind of energy, you go for the people that have that. And this is such... We've all run into it. I've been through it many times, and I've gotten many calls crying. You know, they, they try to share some exciting news with someone, and it gets downed by a family member or by their a friend, and they're just like, uh, and they're so upset about it. But at the same time, you're like, are you surprised? Usually the answer is no, because that person, that sister or whatever has been doing that forever. We've got to get rid of these people sometimes and limit our conversations with them, right? Or if they're going to downer us not to engage. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about toxic people and cleaning out the toxic people in life because this is something we have control of and it's all around us.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, my thing is when someone shows you who they are, believe them. 100%. Believe. Didn't Maya Angelou say that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and she's right. Believe them. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, I'm happy that you brought her up because the other thing she said was that she doesn't allow people in her presence, especially in her home, to, to use certain words that are negative or certain words that are, are disempowering because she says, guess what? When you leave, your words stick to my couch, they stick to my wall, they stick to my place and I have to be the one that deals with them when you leave. And that has not just to do with a home, but to do with your mind. If you have someone who is merely tolerating you and who is like, you just said a Debbie Downer and who just you know, just is attacking your character, is just very toxic, is just dysfunctional and they are self-projecting their own stuff, whether it's trauma, dysfunction, or pain onto you, you know, sometimes we can't just cut people off, but what we can do is take them in dosage. And what does dosage mean? Dosage means you can send a text message once a month that says, Hey, thinking about you, have a good day. You don't have to indulge in them. You don't have to be someone that they're speaking to every day, because what happens is what folks plan in your mind, you're the one that has to detox that. They don't, they're not the one that has to come in and re detox or do that stuff. So you have to be very protectant of your space, especially your mind and your emotions and pay attention to how folks make you feel even when they're not speaking, because energy is real. And so when you're in the presence of somebody and you always seem to feel, you know, down or you seem to feel disempowered, sit in that long enough to figure out what that is, because it may just be them bringing up some stuff in you, which is good that you have to get in contact with, but you have to be in a place. Where you have such a good relationship with you and your higher being, whatever that may be, everyone has their own thing, um, to where you understand that without without this person, I'll be okay. I think at the end of the day, people want to know that they are going to be okay, and so they hold on to things that are toxic. They hold on to things that are that are that are not doing no service for them. Um, that's very destructive because they don't believe. That they'll be OK. And this is another thing I tell people. and I tell myself all the time. If you plug into the source, the source for me being God, the source provides the resources. I'm just a resource to you. You're just a resource to me. Does that make us, you know, inferior or does that negate our, our value? Not at all. But my source provided you the resource for you to give me the opportunity to have this interview with you. What I don't have to worry about is that if the resource, you or any other thing that's a resource for me, money, a person, relationship, a job, career, family, friends, associates, if those resources tap out and do something that is dishonoring me and that is pruned, my source will always provide because the promise says we will be provided abundantly and the plan is to prosper us. And if those two things are for sure, plug into the source and not the resource, Many people are plugged into the resource, being their job, being their career, being their husband, being their friend, their wife, whoever it is. I'm not saying don't plug in. I'm saying your, your main plug plug-in, your main outlet is the source, whatever that source may be for you. And sometimes the source for some folks is yourself. That's not a bad source to have, but you have to understand that all resources stem from the source. And so what we need to not plug into is a resource and squeeze so tight to say, at the expense of my sanity, at the expense of my peace. At the expense of dysfunction and toxicity, I'm going to just hold on to this no matter what. Because without this, I have nothing. That's a distorted thought. And that is an illusion. Because at the moment that you release and let go and surrender, I will promise you that the floodgates will open. I mean, it'll open like a levee breaking. And there'll be so much flowing into you that you won't even. Again, I go to my Bible verses because this is my source. It says, you know, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings big enough to where you won't even be able to receive that's what happens when we stay open like this and not like this. And we surrender like this and not like this.
1: This yeah, is sure. I'm afraid
0: to surrender because I don't know what's out there. This is I'm not afraid to surrender. Bring it on. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a-, a
1: big fan of the <laughs> unknown. I'm a big fan and like the unknown possibilities of where the juicy stuff is at. That's where it's at. And also I, too, I, I use the word universe, use word God, same, same kind of situation, all the same thing. But I always say when you do a pro, you move. I don't care what it is. Getting over a thing, uh, beating an addiction, uh, breaking up with a married guy. (laughs) Like what? When you do something that's a pro, you move, you will get a prize. You will get a prize. It will show you in the right direction. It happens every time. It happens so much. I expect it. I declare it. So when I do something that's tough, I go, oh, I know. I can't wait. And it always shows up in 24 hours, and it's always something unknown. It's something that I couldn't have guessed, a call out of nowhere about a speaking engagement, something. It's something. And uh, again, I have the belief system, and I'd like people to get into that belief system, but it's true. When you do these pro-you moves, man, life gets better, and you will be dropped prizes and opportunities. If you just try it, you'll see.
0: And believe. Believe. Yes. We can't go off without mentioning that belief is faith and belief. They're married; they go hand in hand. Belief is at the forefront of any manifestation. We are convicted by our beliefs. We, you know, I say universe, God. I think God created the universe. Like I'm with you, potato, potato. God blesses us at the level of our beliefs. The universe pours in at the level of our beliefs, and that's what it is. If we believe and we say steadfast that this is what it is, and we know like we know like we know, then that's exactly what you, we, you will receive. Now, you don't have the control of the, de- the day of the deliverer, but that's not your business. Just understand that if you believe it to be this and you hyper-focus on that, we're all staying neutral without manipulating. I always say, if you can't go high, I go neutral. Just don't go low. Whatever you do, keep your vibration high or neutral, don't go low. But you will get that at which you believe, and that's good or bad. And we get to keep that at which we give folks. So what God moves through us, he gives it to us, good or bad. And we have to remember that. So we want to be able to keep things that are positive. We have to give those things that whether it's a word of affirmation, whether it's just an empowerment throughout the day, whether it's an act of service. If we want to be able to have that and keep that. We have to give that at which we want. And remember to always work on self and to be authentic and stay true to who you are. But creating you the experience you want outside of you because we really do see in people who we are we do not see in people who they are and and that may sound funky for some but if you're a person from a place of love and bliss you're almost always seeing that in people you're a you're attracting
1: those people and when you're down your negative you see them more of these people rolling in and then they're feeling the water cooler talk and here we go and now we're on a spiral yeah, yeah we're on a spiral. You yeah. know, God, I wish I could have you for like three more hours, but here's, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to get to the new book you have coming out too. First of all, Mental Detox, available on Amazon, everywhere else. And it's, uh, is it just drbryant.co, correct, for your website? Okay. So yeah. Drb. R-Y-A-N-T dot C-O. For those listening, I'll put everything in the show notes to connect with her. Um, but let's talk. So mental detox, the power and guidance to implement peace, joy, balance, and financial abundance in your life. That's a must read. Let's talk about this new one you have coming out. Now, we, just became, we just
0: got the number one spot in on success magazine. Oh yes. For the top, it's a top 20, um, black authors in the world. And we got number one and, and, and Oprah got number one. And I love Oprah, but the fact that she's so, you know, legendary and we, place number one. And she came in number 11. Les Brown, I think, got number nine. My Angelou, I think, got number like eight. And we, Mental Detox is number one in that Success Magazine uh, the month of June. And that was just, that was like priceless. I don't even have any words to describe. How that is like it goosebump was. making. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> That's a huge feat. And it's always amazing when you, even though you love these people and you've admired them, you're like. Could you have ever imagined, right? At one point, many, many years ago, if someone said, "Trust me, Oprah's going to be like tenth on the list. You're going to be number one," you wouldn't. You'd be like, "All right, maybe. I don't know." You'd be like, "That sounds great." So I love that. I mean, really, that's just such a great achievement. Um, wonderful. So everyone needs to get that book and have it in their arsenal and on their bookshelf. This is something you're going to want to kind of refer to every now and then. Uh, great tips and tricks and, and stories, etc. Let's uh, let's talk about this new one that you got coming out.
0: Yes, the new one is the ABC the Manifestation and it takes you from A to Z on how to manifest anything you want in your world, anything you want in your life. Um and you know, the principles work for anything good or bad. We hope that folks use it for the good because that is the intent. Um and we don't have a release date yet, but the release date is definitely 2020. Uh we just are releasing the audiobook for Mental Detox coming in September. So we believe we'll be releasing the age of the Manifestation following the audiobook to mental detox. Um, I can't
1: wait for that book. That's one of my favorite topics, and we'll definitely have to have you on about that because... This is something I speak about on my other podcast, Kick-Ass Life, a podcast with Tara a bunch of times. We talk about manifesting, creating your own reality. And again, that's one of those things, like we just talked before with mental detox, that that's a muscle you got to strengthen too, because you can go down a spiral a little bit and get off track. And then all of a sudden you're kind of in like a limbo phase and you're like, I'm not really actively vibing, right? And... And Man, it's just magical. It's magical what people could do. And it really, if, you, if you're if you out there and you're religious as well, this goes right hand in hand with almost every verse in the Bible, ask and you shall receive, having faith in the unseen before you see it, all that kind of stuff, right? Because people are often like, well, how can I, you know, be, be wealthy, but like I'm sitting here broke. And it's like, yeah, because you have to feel the feelings of
0: what that'd be like first.
1: You have to kind of pretend that's already there. You it.
0: Oh, you said it. I always say it's not enough to think it. You have to embody it. See, the universe responds to the emotion of uh, vibrations. uh, Vibration is just an emotion. Yep. Thoughts are sent into the ether, but it doesn't create a vibration until it hits emotionally. And so it's not enough to think it. This is why folks think, I thought it. I thought it. Well, thinking. So the Think and Grow Rich book, I say, that is one of the most amazing books. However, they did not um, give enough information on the fact that you do think yourself into embodying the emotion. The emotion is what creates the manifestation. Yes.
1: It's not a mental universe. Michael Bathwick said, this is not a mental universe. This is not a mental exercise. It's a feeling one. And that's the thing where people get it mixed up. You can put up a vision board, you can look at it, but if you're not feeling the feelings of the, what that would be like to get that thing, the emotions generate it. And I love that you're doing an A to Z kind of, you know, book on this. Um, this is one of my favorite. I can't wait for this to come out and have you come back on and talk about it. And tell, tell us, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, tell us like, what's a really wonderful manifestation, you know, something that, you know, kind of was like a stretch or a long shot, but like it happened anyway, kind of thing where people are going to be
0: like, what? Yes, I, th- this is gigantic. So this this was years ago. I mean, I don't know. I think it was my, my, my master's program, but uh, maybe 10 years ago. I was on the treadmill, right? And I had just started this whole meditation manifestation thing. And um, so I was like, let me play with it. Let me see if it really happens. If I, While I'm running on the treadmill, I'm going to embody, feel, not just think what it feels like um, to have $70,000 to open up my franchise. It was going to cost me $70,000 to open a franchise that I wanted to have. So I'm on the treadmill. And I mean, and I had a, a, a mobile legal company at that time that I owned and it was rocking and rolling, but I want to invest some more, blah, blah. So I'm on the treadmill and I'm running and I go, okay, for a full hour, I'm gonna just zone, hone into, I got the 70,000, oh my God, I'm so excited, I can get my franchise, this is happening, and I'm feeling this the whole time and I mean, I'm mean i in this excitement of like, it's here, I see the check, I feel it, I put it into the bank, it it cashes, it's there, and I, I'm going through this whole momentum, right? The whole time I'm feeling and I'm seeing it. Whew. Three days later, I go to a client, Miss Willer. Rest in peace, I'll never forget. She's, for anyone who's familiar with the West Coast, she was a resident of the Malibu trailer park that sits above Paradise Cove. I know exactly and, where it is. I live in Malibu. Yes, and I go visit her. Now, I've been seeing Miss Willer for, she's my client for about two months, and she was going through a divorce. Her husband was divorcing her, and he was very abusive. And long story short, um, she didn't know that he even had all this money and when he divorced her without a prenup he, she ended up coming in I'm like I mean hundreds of millions of dollars it was it was bananas so I'm helping her with her documentation through it because I have a legal company that I was doing back back in the day long story short I tell her okay Miss Willer, you know your bill is you know two thousand dollars and some change and so she writes me um, the check for seventy thousand now I'm just an integrity person. I don't care who writes me a check for that amount. I don't care if I'm talking with you. I don't, I'm not. Gonna. So I said, Oh, and she's, this woman's, I mean, this woman's in her, like in her late eighties. Oh, I think right at 89 or something. So I thought, and she made, you know, a made a mistake. Now this lady had a very good mindset. She had no memory loss. She cursed like a sailor. I mean, she was very aware of, of what she was doing. And I said, Oh, miss Willer, I'm so sorry, but you wrote this amount this is a total wrong amount. She says, it's the right amount. I said, Miss Willard. so we kind of went back and forth and then she got mad at me she said listen to me don't argue with me she said and she thought that I worked for the company not own the company by the way she goes you deserve better than working for this scumbag company she tells me work for this company she goes you take that money and you go invest it in something and then she turns around and writes a check for $5000 Ellie and says and you take this and go on a vacation and she's a drinker. So she goes, and the only thing I ask is that you get as you have a drunk, cocktail. <laughs> drunk as you can. So you get a vacation because you deserve it. So I just asked her, can you tell me the amount before I take this to the bank? What does this say? Because I want to make sure you know what you wrote. She goes, she told me, don't insult me. I'm not telling you. I'm not going to read. I know what I wrote. I, and so I'm sitting there. I'm going like, holy freaking moly. And so as we're sitting there, I'm like, OK, so I just start crying. And I go, I'm so sorry that I'm crying. And I said, I feel so unprofessional because you're my client. I'm not supposed to be crying. She goes, no, I'm happy you're crying. It shows that you're human and it shows that you're grateful. Now, get out of my house. But it was a joke like, get out of here, get your money and go. And I think about what that.
1: I love about that is. She probably, what I like is like, you know, coming in all this money and she liked you, she probably would have given you some money anyway. But what's so great about it is that she gave it to you with the guise of now go and invest this in something, which is exactly what you wanted to do with the money. It was completely mirrored. She could have been like, here's 70,000, enjoy yourself, treats on me. But she literally was like, go invest it in something, which when she, when she said the word invest, I got goosebumps because that's, oh
0: yeah, yeah, I took the check. And I kept staring at it. I put it in the bank and I still told myself until that thing clears. Right. Like, I don't believe it. (laughs) And it cleared. And I kept looking at my account going. So that's when I said, you know what? Oh shit. This stuff works. Like this is the real deal. And I started to do, and I said, no, no, no. How did I do it? I didn't think it. I felt it. And I did it the second time. I know we got to go really quick. I, I, was doing my own Dr. Bryant show years ago. And I started meditating and I literally felt myself signing a contract. Um, and I have it on my vision board, a contract with the biggest network, which, you know, I just put biggest network. I didn't put a network. I saw myself signing a contract, signing a contract and I'm excited and I'm geeked. And I'm like in the, in the office and I'm filling it right. About two weeks later, I'm in home Depot excuse me, I'm in Staples with my best friend. I get an email and I'm like, Oh my gosh. She goes, what, what is it? I'm like, Wait, let me read it before I show you to make sure this is real. E-Network sent me over a contract. We want to contract you for five years for the Dr. Bryant show. I said, there's no freaking way. I manifested this again. But what I, the key thing of what I did, and I talk about it in my book, is I did not just think it. I literally went into production. I went into production as though this was real. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the excitement I'm going, oh my God, I'm picturing me call my father, my family and say, look at what just happened. So you have to go into full production for you to fully fill it. And the universe picks it up like, oh, that's what just happened. That's what you want. Boom, you got it. And so those are really huge moments. and And I just... I'm still in awe of the seventy thousand dollar check because it was two it was identical and on point. I just couldn't believe it. And that, that is
1: <laughs> and you know what, and here's the wonderful thing about these things. Sometimes we forget all of these wonderful manifestations from the past. It's nice sometimes when you're having moments to of faith issues to bring up the prior manifestations. Sometimes I will do that, you know, because or people will remind me, they're like, You remember when you manifested that? And I'm like, Oh my god, yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while. How soon we forget. So I think it's nice that we go over a list in our heads of the wonderful things that have happened to us in a state of gratitude, but also the manifestations. All right. We'll put everything in the show notes. You will have to come back on again to talk about the mani- We have to talk manifestation stories. That is my
0: favorite. That's my jam. Um, but
1: we can go to your go ahead.
0: I know how, I want people to know like how it works because I want people to manifest yeah. their life or their dreams. That is so important to me. It is just so important. Absolutely. And it's possible for everybody. And that's the thing. Um, I, uh,
1: Justin Perry, YouTube, uh, you are creators. He was working on an assembly line, had no education, had a stutter and he read *Thinking, Go Grow Rich and The Secret. And he kept telling people, I'm rich. I don't care. I'm rich. And they were like, whatever, dude, pipe dream. His religious family was like blasphemy. And now he's living in like an 8,000 square foot home on the water
0: in Florida with two boats. And now a young woman like me, who's a doctor, listens to his YouTube videos. I say, what are you going to do today, Pinky? I don't know. Take over <laughs> the world. Yes. I listen. I, that's my law of attraction go to brain food. Is it? I, yeah, me
1: too. I love Justin. Um, I, yeah, I interviewed him and he's great and his story is incredible. And again, it, it can be for anyone. It doesn't matter about education level, societal ranks, everybody can do it. So this book's going to be really powerful and we'll have you back on to talk about it. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience
0: with? just, you know, I just want to say you only have one job and that's to be extremely happy. And if you do that, I promise everything will match that fly. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much
1: for your time. We'll talk soon. Hey, Primal Blueprint listeners, no dairy in your life? No problem. Primal Kitchen has you covered because our no dairy vodka sauce is made with avocado oil and organic cashew butter so you can ditch the dairy and keep the decadent taste you love. Made without gluten, soy, canola oil, or artificial ingredients, this vegan plant based sauce is paleo certified. Visit us at primalkitchen.com for more real food options from dairy free Alfredo sauce to tomato basil marinara and a whole host of other delicious products the entire family will love.
0: Hi folks, Mark Sisson here. If you found your way to the primal path and want to help others live primally too, then visit primalhealthcoach.com to learn how you can join our mission to help 100 million people reclaim their health and how you can turn your passion for wellness into a profitable health coaching career that you love. The world needs health coaches. The world needs you. So visit primalhealthcoach.com today to learn more.